Welcome to the Inside OU Podcast, brought to you by New Balance of Edmond, featuring Keegan Renault from SoonersWire.com, powered by USA Today, and Brady Trantham. Hello, Brady. Bob Stoops here. Appreciate the great Sooner fan that you are and have been for all these years. Boomer Sooner. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Inside OU Podcast. We are back after somewhat of a, a longer layoff than usual. Uh, the game was on Wednesday. We did our post-game pod on Patreon for our lovely patrons. Shout out to all you all, uh, all you guys, you intelligent, beautiful human beings you are. But Keegan, this is the first time we've been uh, podcasting since that day, and it feels like an eternity because we do two or three of these podcasts a week. But uh, I mean, I don't know about you. I needed a little bit of time to, to just decompress from football season, and um, it never fails. We get towards the end of football season, and even if OU is like clamoring for a playoff or in the playoff, I'm excited for that. But it's such a, it's just such a beating, and especially when you're doing this somewhat professionally. Like I, I'm not an OU media member by any means, but I do work for 107.7, so I have to do some professional OU work here and there. Uh, but once we get towards the end of the season, I'm like, oh, man, I'm, I, I'm looking forward to not having to worry about just games on Saturdays, um, all the work that um, goes into it. And then especially this season, how for the latter half of the season, we kind of went through Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday of not even knowing if we we're going to play the game that we were talking about. Um, so I'm a little bit happy that it's over, but again, it never fails. Two or three days after the season's over, I'm just like, can we just get back to football again? I kind of miss it. I am at that point, you know, where, and we can definitely get into this on this podcast, but you know where I, you know what I do pretty quickly immediately after the season's over. I start going through the schedule, start figuring out who's got a chance to be really good next year, find some under the radar teams, found those already for next season, and it's uh, it's it's. Now with the portal, though, I don't know. Maybe, like, since this has kind of created a little bit more buzz in college, it's more NFL-ish because, like, the NFL is a... More NBA-ish. How, like, the season ends and then free agency (laughs) starts and contract negotiations start. So the NBA goes on for another two months, and then it has, like, a month and a half of nothing until the season like season starts ramping up in training camp so it it's like that cuz we're going to this will kind of be a bridge into spring football hopefully and that will be fun and then we're going to have you know maybe a few months of just yeah, nothing yeah it will be i don't know like even then i don't know if it'll be color, remember the, me this i just remember the lead up and being able to watch practices and the ESPN deal but this feels very 2011ish win the big 12 go win a big that's not good. That is not good. Well, what you I'm just talking said. about the league that up season, though, right? Yeah, you go. I know o- what you Oklahoma mean. goes yeah. down to Florida State and Tallahassee and just kicks the crap out of them defensively. Who was it? I mean, they about killed a receiver that game, right? I, I mean, I'm not trying to be mean, but Florida State, uh, Clayton Shaw was uh, his name, I believe. Uh, yeah, uh, Tom Wirt and <laughs> Javon Harris just Clint Trickett. It was completely legal. He just got he just got knocked the hell out. No, actually, that was. Um, he hadn't come in yet. That was the other guy. Um, oh, no, uh, EJ Manuel. No, Clint Trickett. Yeah, Clint Trickett played EJ in that Ma- game, though, e- I think. He did. He came in late and threw, like, a, a, a stupid <laughs> touchdown pass because somebody fell down and no one was in the back end. But um, before we get any further, I did want to mention to everybody, 
by the way, thank you all so much for sticking with us, um, both patrons and those who listen to the free pods. Uh, thank you all so much. We just obviously wrapped up season two of the Inside OU podcast, first season with John Hoover, this season with Keegan Renault, and it's been a lot of fun. It's it's grown and grown into, um, in my opinion, a podcast with a little bit more of a its own personality. Uh, not to not to crap on season one. I miss doing stuff with John. Uh, so much but you know the more you do this stuff Keegan the more comfortable you get the more uh, seamless it becomes so you, like your own personality kind of comes out into it so uh, for those that don't appreciate everything look I'm sorry but that's uh that's just how it is you know there are four or five other podcasts out there like West of Everest uh, Unofficial 40 Locked On Sooners uh, there are a lot of great OU podcasts out there that I listen to but hopefully uh, we do our best to entertain and inform, mostly from Keegan's <laughs> side to inform uh, to everybody. But any, again, thank you all so much for listening to the podcast. I will beg you all uh, one more time uh, to rate and review <laughs> the podcast. I will greatly appreciate that because we did get a one-star review. Keegan, because you apparently hate people oh, and discriminate I, against you people know better than on this. social media. Who You I, know I, better I don't know. I, like, I don't know. I, I don't have... Minus 100 <laughs> followers on Twitter, and you interact with me, so that's all I can really go off of. I can only go by what I know in my own experience. And apparently, this one star review really just shat on Keegan by saying he Did doesn't interact with me, anybody if you have Did less you than 100 followers. No, you I, were working. Yeah, man, you were like working. the thun the the Thunder had a home game, and I dipped out at halftime. I wasn't. I didn't have to do the post game show that night on the radio. Uh, Ryan Chapman and Christine Butterfield filled in for me. And I dipped out at halftime. The game was a blowout, just like a lot of Thunder games are going to be this year. And I was exhausted. The Thunder had a back-to-back Monday, Tuesday, and then the Cotton Bowl was Wednesday night, and then Thursday was New Year's Eve. And I was like, I'm going home. So I went back to my apartment. I fell asleep at 11.45. That's, I'm old now. I'm 30 years old, and I'm older than, you know, most people that listen to this podcast, apparently, because I'm just not fun. Well, you know the joke that I would make with a certain someone. And I, I guess now I'll give him his name. Um, the guy said Kyle Pitts is talent is a talent, but still very unrefined. And I made the joke, right? Because of Keith and Faber. Faber, he's going to, he's going to go. Farber. Farber. Uh, it, regardless. I, I've never said his last yeah, name. It's just who Keith. Is an awesome, or Kythan if he was German. If he was German, it's Kythan. The fact that we're giving him this much airtime is going to make his day, by the way. But regard... Well, I love... Kythan's a great person. I I love him. Yeah, he's he's an awesome dude. But anyways, it was a joke with him that I made a joke that you don't have 100 followers on Twitter, so, like, why should I care, basically, about what you think? And it's it turned into... It was a joke to him, and then it turned into... Because I... uh, Some guy said that, and I said, I don't typically respond to people with under 100 followers, but when I do, it's something as idiotic as this. So it was a it was a joke. Well, I mean, it was a joke. People, people are rather sensitive these days, and you have to always err on the side of caution. So um, you are essentially a customer service person when you're doing a <laughs> podcast. So uh, thank you all to our listeners, both uh, those who have one follower on Twitter, no followers at all because you're not on Twitter, or you have yes. zillions of followers. We va- I on Twitter. value. You know, we love you, you all I equally. Value you. You remember when you didn't Brady. value me because I had a measly Split. thousand followers? See, right. at least now, at least I mean, now these people things know it's, an, it's a bit. It's an inside joke. 
<laughs> well, uh, of course. We like to have our bits. Everybody has their bit, I would hope. Um, moving on. So, obviously, the schedule is going to have to change uh, for this podcast because there's no need for matchup podcasts on Thursdays. But uh, we do want to continue our relationship with our friends at Vanessa House Beer Company. Um, so, what we're planning on doing as of right now, and this, this is fluid because who knows, Keegan might get a different opportunity and that might take away some time from uh, the podcast. But we will... Basically, as of right now, what we're planning on is doing two podcasts per week, one free, that the one that you're listening to right now, and then one for our patrons. So um, we want to still give our patrons some content to devour. So that's going to be maybe some more in-depth stuff, maybe some review, more in-depth review of the season that we just saw, uh, especially with hindsight in mind and understanding how that season was going to end. You can kind of I'll look at it through a different lens, in my opinion, and project a little bit more so going into spring and summer. And also, that does not include the other thing that we were going to do, which is basically just watch-alongs. So the film review that you put on Patreon for the Big 12 Championship, a lot of people actually enjoyed that much better than the, Did the text film review that you were putting up. Uh, yeah, I got a, a few people say that this is the way I would cool. prefer it. So. Well, Basically, Keegan and I are just going to go back every weekend. This does not include, you know, for our patrons. We're going to do a Patreon podcast, and then this as well. We're going to do basically once um, every weekend. We're going to sit down and watch each game in order. So we'll watch Missouri State, have some commentary. We'll watch Kansas State and Iowa State even, um, and have some commentary and just kind of go on. And maybe that will bridge us into the spring uh, seamlessly. So, patrons, don't worry. We're going to give you some stuff to devour and enjoy, I hope. And those that are still curious, you know, like we're serious about it. We're committed to it. So, uh, don't be afraid to jump on the crazy train that is our Patreon page that you can find at patreon.com slash inside underscore OU. And then our free pod is going to be, I, I think, on Thursdays. I mean, this this is probably going to be fluid, but at least once a week at Vanessa. So, we're going to be doing our free pods at Vanessa House. So if you want to come out, come on out. Just wear a mask and don't bring 400 people because only so many people mm -hmm. can be in there. But uh, we've had some people um, come out and say hi. Uh, Darren, once again, thank you for showing up and saying hi. And uh, it was great to meet you. And that will segue uh, me into thanking everybody one more time before we get into the meat of this podcast. Guys like David Bennett, who reached out on Patreon. Thank you so much. Glenn, you've reached out on Twitter. I mean, so many people... Um, you've made doing these podcasts a lot of fun. So we're still um, doing it. All if it wasn't fun, again. we wouldn't be doing it. And we, I, yeah, but the season's over and it's like, it's like high school graduation. We're well, never going to see each other again. No, we're going to be doing we've, this. We've got a, uh, a national championship puzzle to put together this off season. Brady Trantham. Yes. And that's a great place to start. And the, you know, the, foundation for the 2021 season to potentially be a national championship uh, year is that of well you've got to start talking about where the puzzle pieces start and some of that is just what puzzle pieces are you losing and so because we haven't done a podcast since Wednesday a lot of this has already been kind of talked about a lot of this you already know but we haven't necessarily had takes on it or talked about it Keegan but let's just start at the very beginning um, we can talk about guys that have decided to transfer or put their names into the portal and have not, as of yet, as of Tuesday at 140, decided where they're going to end up. So guys like Chandler Morris going to TCU, which I do not like. Maybe we'll I'm get to that you. in a second. I agree. Uh, but there's a, 
I, we I just do go not through like one it, by one. Uh, I, I'll say this real quick about Chandler Morris. Okay. The reason why isn't because he's going interconference and he knows Oklahoma. It's because he's a freaking good quarterback. Like that's that would be my biggest thing. And like now with the portal and like technically, I believe Lincoln can still block that from happening or at least getting immediate eligibility. Um, which <laughs> he's already tried to uh, maybe do that one time. Uh, but at the end of the day, he's a really good quarterback. And he's a guy that could, yeah. with the way TCU plays defense, I know it's right now it's not week in and week out. But overall, you get a good quarterback in there, you put some pressure off that defense to have to get stops every time, Chandler Morris can go do that. And I think that he could be a nuisance for Oklahoma here in the next couple of years if he can get a chance. Yeah. Yeah, and look, um, before he announced where he was going, I was bummed. Like, I really think a lot or very highly of Chandler Morris. And I understand the, the realistic situation, and I understand the landscape of college football today. Talented quarterbacks want to play, and even though you can have the take of they're afraid of competition, you know, these kids only have so many years to showcase what, you know, their talent. And if they really truly believe that they're good enough to showcase that talent for you know, potentially playing professionally, then they've got to take advantage of whatever uh, opportunity they can get. And if you're already on a, you know, already on a team with uh, the Heisman favorite going into next year and Spencer Rattler, and then another five-star best quarterback in the country coming out of high school and Caleb Williams, who's going to be the heir apparent, I get it. I would still try to err on the side of, unless there is just an absolutely great opportunity to like where I am guaranteed, not just playing time, but I'm going to be surrounded by a bunch of guys that are going to make help me look good. That's the only time that I can really just, you know what, go off and go do your thing. Having said that, when he announced it, I'm like, I get it. I'm, that sucks, but oh well. And then he said he's going to TCU, and I'll say this right off the bat, lose me with the Baker Mayfield uh, connection or whatever because he transferred in conference and went to OU and it obviously benefited OU greatly. Uh, Baker Mayfield was not a scholarship athlete, and Texas Tech did not want to offer him anything until he actually told them, oh, I'm going to leave now. So that's a completely different situation. I don't like him going to TCU because I, I just – it just seems so – like what's stopping this from happening all over the place? I remember the days where you – it was so rare for players to transfer within conference because they would have to sit out not one year, but two years to curb this from happening. And uh, maybe I'm just a little bit paranoid that a talented quarterback, a talented dual threat guy is going to Gary Patterson's team, who on paper is the best defensive uh, coach in this conference and typically has really good defenses. And now he potentially has um, an on paper talented guy, Max Duggan going into next year and then a guy in Chandler Morris who could, like you said, be a big problem for OU and the conference in a few years. Yeah, I think what you said, I, it's a little old school. I get it. Um, I'm that mentality as well. Like, it makes sense why we we allow transfers and immediate transfers to other schools really after this season. Um, so that's the other thing, too, is all these guys are going to be playing. People forget that. The one-time transfer rule is about to be put in place this spring. So it's uh, – yeah. It's a, it's going to be an interesting situation. What do you uh what do you yeah, everything else though seems like addition by sub, subtraction, right? Oh yeah, there's one thing that was kind of shocking, but I guess one more thing to clarify Chandler Morris. It's the reason why I don't really like it is just because from a competitive standpoint, you're in a way you're crapping on the teammates that you just 
you know, bled with, that you sweated with, that you struggled with, that you sacrificed with, especially this season. And you're crapping on it. And I know OU teammates wouldn't see it that way. I, I, I understand how athletes are all about, like, no, go do your thing, man. Like, go, go, go chase, go get the bag. You know, that's how a lot of athletes feel these days. Um, I'm assuming no hard feelings. Hopefully there's no hard feelings from Lincoln Riley uh, to Chandler Morris, but that's just the way I feel. Oh, well, it may not lead to anything, and it'll just be forgotten in a few years, so who knows. So goodbye and good luck, Chandler Morris. But, yeah, I guess the one thing, the whole addition by subtraction that you're referring to, the one thing, and I guess we can talk about this, that was just surprising was just Adrian Ely, and the reason why um, – there have been multiple times, multiple games this season where I'm like, he's one of the worst linemen out there. He's not the worst lineman out there in terms of talent, but in terms of what I'm watching performance-wise, he's getting beat, he's getting pushed around, and the pocket is collapsing mainly due to the fact that Adrian Ely is not dominating his man. Um, I'm not going to call Adrian Ely a bust by any means, but he was a highly recruited guy uh, coming out of Louisiana, and I will say he just did not meet expectations. So that really kind of went into my brain as yeah he's probably going to come back to try and clean up his game and then be a surefire uh first round pick or second round pick with his measurables because he's going to test well and so when he announces that he's leaving I'm just like whoa and if you'll recall Keegan on the uh, post game pod I did mention that uh, my biggest fear for OU's uh 2021 title chances is that the offensive line does not become elite like we have expected them to become that they're still kind of a, an inconsistent up-and-down group. And while I didn't think that much of Adrian Ely this year, him leaving does not help that cause. Here's the thing with Adrian Ely, Brady. It, he was good this season for the most part, but in the bigger games, like the last two in the Cotton Bowl and in the Big 12 Championship in recency, right, what have you done for me lately, he struggled. He really did, and you're right in that regard. It was the same, and I think where that what opinion kind of comes from is the pushed around stuff we saw in 2019. So if he's showing tape from last year at the end of this season, like that's a problem, right? He, he needs to be taking steps. So yeah. he's going to be an interesting film study. I would think that he could go in the fourth round, and again, if Bobby Evans can come out after the 2018 season with the way he played – and get drafted in the fourth or third or fourth round, Adrian Ely can go. I, I think Evans win the third to the Rams, but um, Ely, Ely can go in the fourth. So that's still good money. Go get your money. He's graduated. Um, and that does – well, I didn't think it would hurt Oklahoma, Brady, but I think it may now. Now, Oklahoma, they, they you get Stacey Wilkins back. Um, you, we, Marquise, Marquise Hayes, Hayes is coming we back. We definitely get into that in a sec, but – I was under the impression Oklahoma believed Tristan Lee was going to come in and start at left tackle. Yeah, I guess I guess we need to talk about that as well because that's happened in between the Cotton Bowl and today. Because um, on the pod, on the postgame podcast, when we talked about my fears for the offensive line, we, we then kind of wrapped it up by saying, well, they're going to get Tristan Lee, and that's going to allow Anton Harrison to move over to right tackle, his natural position which would then, if Eric Swenson decides to come back, and I, as of right now I've not seen any decision for him, he can very very much come back. Um, but if Swenson is just a depth guy, that does speak well to your offensive line. So uh, 
not getting Tristan Lee was surprising. Uh, it was surprising that he had actually we signed had his LOI signed, this entire right? time. Like, that's what I'm I'm not going to dispute anything that's out there. I'm not going to do this. I don't know if it was financial aid agreement. I don't know what it was, right? I, I was just under the impression that he had signed. And I think you and I talked about that on the Patreon. So, yeah, with Oklahoma. We thought he signed with yeah, OU. But <laughs> in turn, he yeah. signed an NLI with Clemson. So, I, I, um, I don't know if this is, you know, a Kamar situation, Brady. I don't because a lot of people are pointing to the fact that his family is going to move to Clemson. Well, they announced early on in their recruitment that the family was going to move regardless of where Tristan went to school at. Now, yeah. do I think – I'm not going to sit here and, and make a decision or judge a kid for a decision he makes for college because he's eventually doing what's best for him. He feels what's best for him and his family. But if it's true that he was promised to play left tackle at Oklahoma as a freshman and you turn that down and you have a chance to play in a national championship game or be the final puzzle piece, I just don't get it. I mean, he's a three-year guy. Like, Tristan Lee goes to school and is a – yeah. well, Here's my comp, right? He's Sam Cosme. He's already there. He just He's a little more physical. Um, it's just – that would have helped Oklahoma out a lot, and then you lose Adrian Ely, and then you kind of start playing musical chairs. But, yeah, I don't know if we need to get into it yep. deeply. I mean, that class is over with. We can discuss it at a later time. Well, just in general terms, I mean, you, you're you mentioning how it's a great opportunity for Tristan Lee to come to OU, and you're you're certainly right. It's also a great opportunity for him to go to Clemson. I mean, Work. Clemson's offensive yeah, they, line got worked oh, right. by Ohio State. So – any promises that OU is making to Tristan Lee in his recruiting, I mean, Clemson can probably make the same ones, and this is before he got they got worked by Ohio State. So Tristan Lee is going to be walking into a situation where he could be a day-one starter there. So it's kind of a wash. But in general terms, like, yes, it does suck to lose out on uh, big guys, big names, and it especially sucks to lose out on guys that you pretty much pencil in as Sooners going into the following season. And Tristan Lee was that guy. Uh, for a long time until uh, his we thought, actual announcement. We thought Kamar, Kamar Wheaton, Wheaton, the oh, staff was mad Kamar about Wheaton, that, Brady. Of course. You should hear some of the stuff coming out of Norman right now. Well, um, well no, before sure, we sure. get there, because yeah. there is, yeah, before we get there, I, I just, in general terms, because I wanted to remind you of something that you and I talked about a lot uh, when Bob Stoops was still the head coach. And my big problems with re recruiting at the time. And this is, of course, 2015, 2016. So it's coming off of like how those classes rounded out from the early 20, uh, the 2010s. And my thing, just by looking at the recruiting, and again, as an admitted non-recruiting nerd, I would often tell you, Keegan, that my problem is it really seems like Bob and this staff is just resigned to the fact that, hey, we're not going to get these big five-star, like, best players in the country, guys. We're just not going to. And so it, in order to avoid either, like, allocating our resources there or getting the bad PR hit of, like, missing out on a guy, we're just not going to try. So we're going to go after all these three- and four-star guys that are getting recruited by the Arizona schools or UTEP or college. insert – yeah, group of five, group of five school here, and uh, really depend, on, really just lean on our ability to uh, develop. And for the most part, you know, Bob Stoops' staffs, 
over the years were incredible at developing guys. I mean, we could rattle off 10 names right now that were unheralded that became NFL guys. Uh, so there was a lot of reason for Bob to believe that. But in general terms, I understand the pain of losing out on a Tristan Lee, but I will say I enjoy that Lincoln Riley and his staff are trying to get these guys because at some point you're going to break through. And OU thought that they probably had broken through with this class. So the hope is your name is attached to all these big guys. These All these athletes talk to each other. Look no further than Spencer Rattler's class. Look no further than Caleb Williams with this class. All these guys talk to each other. So when they talk about their experiences around the Oklahoma staff or those that have been able to travel to Norman and see campus for themselves, yeah, they may not have ended up there, but if any of these other players kind of talk about like, hey, what was OU like? And they have nothing but glowing things to say because they've actually been actively recruited by said school. That's nothing but good. That is nothing but good. And again, at some point, OU and the staff is going to break through and start getting these guys in droves because the other side of the coin is, Keegan, you need to have the on-field success. You need to have the on-field success to just be in the conversation, to be on everybody's television screens all over social media. And OU is going to have that barring some terrible injury plague, barring some just absolute this team is overrated, like going into 2014, uh, OU is going to win a lot of games. They're going to be in the conversation. So the next group of five stars coming up, I want Lincoln Riley and, and this staff to keep trying. Don't be dismayed by missing out on Kamar Wheaton, on Tristan Lee, Mecca Ibuka. At some point, you're going to break through. I would rather miss out on five-star guys than try to swing for the fences for a three- or a four-star guy. It's just a numbers game, and it's it's the same argument that people have. Would you rather win a New Year's Six Bowl game or take your chances in a playoff game with the potential of getting embarrassed? You always take the playoff chance, so you always want to swing for the fences if you're Oklahoma, in my opinion, Keegan. So it sucks, but I, I, I like where OU is going. So just to swing back real quick, John Michael Terry entered the portal – Robert Barnes entered the portal. Charleston Rambo entered the portal. Who are we missing? Who am I missing? Am I missing anybody? I don't think I'm... Tanner Mordecai, Chandler Morris. So OU is going to have a true freshman backup quarterback next year. That's okay. In Caleb Williams. Um, Well, they're going to... Obviously, have to go find somebody in the portal for death. Or Tanner Tanner Schaefer. Caleb Williams is going to... I think he's transferring. Sure. I don't. I feel like I've seen that somewhere. I don't know if it's a rumor that he's going to transfer or a thought that he's going to transfer, or if he's already announced it. I just, I, I know I've seen his name somewhere. I just can't recall where. Yeah, I. It, just the portal itself, Brady. This has just been nuts, and Oklahoma's been, you know, everybody's leaving right now. I'm sure they'll. I'm about to pull up a full list of guys that have you know, that have left so far. But I, I think whenever you, you talk about this for Oklahoma, outside of Chandler Morris, really, Adrian Ely even leaving, um, I think it's been addition by subtraction. I know we touched on it a little bit, but, I mean, you, you, you know, John Michael Terry leaves, that infers that Nick Benito's coming back, great. Charleston Rambo leaves, that means Jaden Hazelwood's for sure coming back, good. Uh, you know, you, you go down the list – Robert Barnes, he wasn't going to play. Um, and it, I'm trying to think who all else is left. Jalen Conyers, that one was weird. That came out of nowhere, by the way. 
shocking. I thought he was going to be a big time player at OU. Um, but and T and TJ plus too many talented H backs coming back. There you go. That's been the exits for Oklahoma so far. But yeah. Conyers, though, I know Conyers was listed as a wide receiver this year. You remember that? I touched on that in the preseason, which was a little bit yeah. which was good. I mean, that's where he needs to be. I mean, he needs to be lined up out wide. So, mm-hmm. but he goes to uh, my beloved Arizona State Sun Devils, and we'll get into that at the end. But what what are your thoughts on? I want to throw this at you. There's a bunch of people, you know, turnover this and that. Oklahoma's Oklahoma's at eighty. I can pull it up real quick, but I believe Oklahoma's at 86 scholarships now or 85 for next season, and they can carry 110. What do you feel? How do you feel about that? Well, they're going to raid the portal. I mean, well, sure. But even for 2022, like they're going to be over 90, and they have to be by 20, I think by the end of 2022, they had to be down to 85 again. So, I mean, why not go? I guess next year's class just needs to be 30. I mean, go sign 30 guys. Yeah. And if you're going to have this much attrition every year, like there's no problem. And that can be a good little cycle for OU because it's already been kind of talked about. Um, but the fact that so many guys are transferring and guys that are, you know, talented, they, they help OU in some ways. And I know we've complained about Charleston Rambo a ton, but guys like Charleston Rambo can start for a lot of schools or be a heavy rotational guy in a receiving core for a lot of talented schools. John Michael Terry was a guy that I liked, but you're right. Like he's getting played off the field by guys who are just simply better than him. So losing him, you know, I'm not thrilled about it. I wish everybody would stay, but it just kind of goes to show you that OU is shifting into a program, both on offense and defense, where if you are not good enough, or if you are simply not better than the guys in front of you, you're not going to get a lot of time. And that wasn't the case three or four years ago. That was not the case at all. So OU is trending in the right direction on the field, on the recruiting trail, uh, in practice, in depth. They are trending in the right direction while having so much on the field success. So it's a good thing. Like Try to just take the subtle little gut punches of like guys leaving and transferring or declaring for the NFL or what have you. Like It's a good thing even though it doesn't really help with the following season. So just try to look at it that way. That's that's how I'm trying to do it. Yeah, I think that's the way you have to do it. it it's eventually roster turnover when you're turning it over to elite players. Yeah. That's a good thing. Exactly. And, and um, even if those talented players you know, they, are young, like that's what Alabama and Clemson and Ohio State do. They, they, they turn it over to a true sophomore, and then they're NFL well, DJ guys. DJ Graham. Yeah. DJ Graham. I mean, look at Trajan Bridges this year. Trajan Bridges is going to play one year, and you're going to hear me say this on the uh, uh, from the patrons that get the uh, film review for the Cotton Bowl. They'll hear me say this. Like, Trajan Bridges has a chance to go play for one season then go to the NFL as a, probably maybe a late first, second-round pick. Like, he may go catch – if that's the, the route he ran and the catch and run he had and Spencer seeing it for next season, I mean – that's but that's the situation you're in. You know, you look at what Ohio State did with their DB room, and I think that's the easiest indication of where you want to be at as a program. Is for three straight years they had a new guy come in and play defensive back, and those new guys went into the NFL. Yeah. Like Malik Hooker, Malik Hooker played for one season. Um, one season ends up being the eighth, ninth pick in the draft. Like that's the that's the kind of stuff. That's what you want. Like Mario Williams and Billy Bowman this year, and this is we'll get into my take on Twitter about that, but. Like, those guys shouldn't be impact players this year. If they are, that's a concern. You know what I'm saying? Like, and if 
because the five guys that are established already and including Drake Stoops, and if anybody continues to hate on Drake Stoops with the way he blocked the last eight games of the year, just worked his ass off every game. No, he's he's, but he's my, a good enough player to start. Like he is, he has yeah. made me eat crow. <laughs> so, but at the end of the day, though, like you want Billy Bowman and Mario Williams, like you said, play for one year, two years, go off to the NFL. You want to be able to cycle yeah. like that because that's a good thing because that means competition and practice is really good. Mm-hmm. And competition and practice means you're creating a very, very competitive environment for these elite players to come and work in. And that's what you want to cultivate. And Oklahoma's close. They're not there yet. They've got this recruiting class and last year's recruiting class, Brady, has set them two years back in terms of getting to the Ohio State level, which is somehow under the Georgia and Alabama level of recruiting. Um, Ohio State, things like at 73% DCR. Alabama's at 84. Georgia's at 81. Something like that. It's nuts. What's Clemson at? Um, uh, Clemson, Oklahoma are the same place, 64. Yeah. So, there you go. Yeah, I mean, but, if, uh, eventually you just get to a point where, yeah, you, you would like to be in the 80s BCR, you know, like Alabama and Georgia. But it, it it gets to a point where if you just have a good matchup, you're just out there playing football against guys who are equally as talented as you are. Maybe they have a few more four- or five-star guys that just aren't playing, but – you know, they have nothing to do with the game going on on the field. So OU is on the precipice of getting to that point where at some point it just won't matter, and you just hope that the defense continues to improve, uh, continues to be ball hawking, continues to have a lot of guys that can make plays, and then we all know what the, where the offense is going to go. So I guess the last thing before we get maybe to, into some more Cotton Bowl reactions for those who didn't get it, obviously aren't on Patreon, um, would be the guys who could – not take their extra year of eligibility granted by the NCAA. And then, of course, the two players who are very much linked to uh, either staying or going, going to the NFL. So Ramondre Stevenson and Ronnie Perkins. And like I said on the Patreon pod, you can talk your way into both guys returning, one of the guys returning as much as you want. Running backs, I'm always going to say, man, go get your money. And with Ronnie, of course, you can talk yourself into a situation where um, if he comes back and cleans up his game, oh my goodness, he's going to be, you know, he could be a top 15 pick uh, with his measurables and with his ability to put quality film on tape. Uh, but I'm just always under the, the assumption Keegan, that guys just leave the second they get um, the chance to go chase that money. And I, the biggest thing here, and we've, I think we've said this, whether it's on the public podcast or on the patreon one where we you know we talked about where ronnie perkins's family situation's at and you know for for him and his sake money could have pl- could play a big factor and this is a guy that i said this you you <laughs> i said this and i think i put it perfectly ronnie perkins either comes back and becomes a first round pick and then becomes a 10-year nfl vet or ronnie perkins leaves this year is a middle to late second round third round pick and goes on and, and still is a 10-year NFL vet. He's going to play football for a long time. It just was a matter of can he get enough insurance to come back to Oklahoma to be able to afford what could be lost if he's not a first-round pick. So there's for his decision, I think money played a huge part in it. And, you know, with those, they can go either way. And 
we've reported, I believe, 50-50 on here. Um, and I'll, I will still stick by that. But obviously... It's 50-50 because it's not a hedge. It's 50-50 because each side makes 100% sense. And percent yeah. sense. Yeah. But I guess it's... I mean, we're in the middle of this thing um, recording it. And I hate to do the, do it like this. But obviously, there's now a report out there that... Perkins is likely head of the NFL from Soonerscoop.com. Um, and when people hear this, they'll probably already have seen that. So I don't feel too bad saying it on this, Brady. But um, So if that happens, things kind of become a little more interesting. Isaiah Thomas then slides out to defensive end. You have Marcus Stripling. And then Jalen Redmond's inserted in a defensive tackle. Um, you have Josh Ellison at defensive tackle. Corey Roberson, Jordan Kelly, Perry on Winfrey. Nick Benito, and then on the edge, and you have Brendan Walker, and you have Clayton Smith. Oklahoma's going to be just fine. Like, Ronnie Perkins, like, the impact of Ronnie Perkins is huge, but whenever he leaves and you can just swing Isaiah Thomas from inside to outside, yeah. complete, I uh, mean, it, you can make up. For I don't know if they're if the defensive line is there, um, just because this would be probably the first instance that this has happened, but they're getting eerily close to the point where Bill Beanbow's offensive line – uh, the lines have been where if guys leave, well, you can just move a guy around. You know, this guy's coming up, he's talented, and it's just kind of a seamless transition. It may not be as elite as before, but they're good enough to get the job done. And OU's defensive line uh, has a lot of quality depth. And so, in, in theory, yeah, you're exactly right. But I'll, I'll just ask you this knowing full well that so much is going to change until from now until OU's first game um, against Tulane on the road. But Losing Ronnie Perkins, does that does that make you lose any OU could win a playoff game as of right now? No. No, it okay. doesn't. I don't well, think. Well, Ronnie and Ramondre, if they both leave. Neither. I thought. I think the biggest thing that hurt Oklahoma was Adrian Ely leaving early. That, that that's is. That's the monkey wrench, and that's, again, that's why it's so, because he leaves. That's the weak link. Yeah, it's like he leaves, yeah. and then it's like, well, Ronnie and Ramondre haven't made their decisions yet. That's not very good. Oh, well. No. I don't think that, like I said, like, do you have a Ramondre Stevenson that can go out and get you a first down whenever he gets in the backfield? No, you don't have that. Can you have, do you have a Kennedy Brooks that's coming back, you know, that is a guy that we've seen can get yards at the offensive lines blocking well? That's, I mean, gaining him back helps you out a yeah. lot because Seth McGowan's going to grow up. We've, the, I don't know. Did we get into the Seth McGowan stuff on in the in the post game show? I don't think so. Why he kind of he kind of he kind of let's just leave it at this. Then he got buried on the depth chart for a reason this year. So hopefully he can clean some stuff up on the, in the off season and um, in that regard. And then also like, but we know he can be a feature guy. Like he's that. Yeah, he just good. has to get faster. Yeah. Well, I think if it was early in the season. <laughs> Brady, I know I'm jumping around this, but if it was early in the season, I think he may have housed that. Let's so I Oh uh, yeah. I mean no question. It, I mean wear and tear, um and dealing with playing during a pandemic and what that could eventually lead to. Um <laughs> and of course we talked about it a zillion times. Like Seth McGowan would have been fine if he had had a normal offseason, even as a non early enrollee. So if he just had a normal offseason, we might have seen a little bit of a different back. So um, Kennedy Brooks is coming back and that certainly helps Jalen Redman on the defensive line and that of course helps. So, 
Um, while OU is definitely going to be looking into the portal for guys that, at the running back position, I know that guy from Tennessee already announced that he's going to the portal. That's a name that OU fans are going to be keeping their eye on in case Ramondre Stevenson decides to leave. And I guess before we get to the Cotton Bowl, even though I already said that two minutes ago, um, does Kennedy Brooks coming back, Keegan, if you're Ramondre Stevenson, doesn't that kind of make you think, well, I wanted to come back, but now that Kennedy's coming back, like there's really no point because the only reason why I would want to come back is because Lincoln Riley has basically suggested that I can rush for me for anywhere between 14 and 1600 yards. I can have, you know, 15, 16 touchdowns. I can be involved in the passing game. I could even be a guy that gets Heisman consideration for that type of production and playing for a playoff contending team in Oklahoma and Kennedy Brooks coming back nixes that because Kennedy, I don't think is better than Ramondre, but he's good enough that you need to give him a lot of carries and splitting carries. If I'm Ramondre, I'm just like, I'll just go get paid to go play in that instance. I would rather just be a feature back. If that's, that's the only reason why I would think Ramondre comes back is if he is the guy in the backfield. And with Seth McGowan as the backup, you are the guy. Well, I, it goes two ways if you're Lincoln Riley, right? The offense this year was clearly the offensive line and the work they did was not up to standard. Last year, it was a Jalen Hurts-centric offense, right, where he's going to get the he's going to run the football a lot. But 2018, Trey Sermon and, I, and Kennedy Brooks, I believe, went over a thousand yards. So it goes both ways. And you know? Trey transferred. Do you want to get into this? Uh, let's save that. Let's save that for the end because I it, it, it is delicious to okay. talk about. Let, um, let, let's let's get ahead. to the Cotton Bowl since I've already mentioned it twice now three times. So for those that don't subscribe to our Patreon page, we'll give you a little bit of a you know week after analysis thus far. Um, oh, you kicked the living hell out of Florida. They did exactly what they were supposed to do. Um, like we say, going into Kansas type games or Texas Tech type games. Um, hey, OU should not only beat them, they should beat the hell out of them and look good doing it. I mean, that, that was a problem for OU in 2018, 2017 in some spots where they were letting bad teams score with them. And that has not become much of a recurring problem the, more out, the longer Alex Grinch has been here. And yes, Florida was without a bunch of receivers, but they weren't going to stop Ramondre Stevenson from rushing for nearly 11 yards a damn carry. Um, we have already said, Keegan, that when it was just Kyle Pitts had opted out, we both thought Oklahoma would win that game going mm-hmm. into it. You have a little bit of a different opinion that if, if Florida had their guys, they potentially could have won, in your opinion, because it did get to a point where it was 17-14, to 14, and then from that point on, OU just did not stop. They turned it on like good teams do and just destroyed Florida. So kudos to Oklahoma. And I already went on a cussing tirade about Dan Mullen, me, and everybody else that has an OU podcast or is on the radio that covers OU football. Dan Mullen's a clown. And I feel bad for the Florida players, and I especially feel bad for Oklahoma players because that's just an utter sign of disrespect for the opponent, for your own team in Florida, and for the game of football. As you know now, I have broken the game down twice, and the, the third time is now getting up on YouTube for you guys later tonight, your patrons, you lovely people. Um, so I'll say this, Brady. It's 17 nothing, or sorry, 14 nothing. Okay. You have Spencer, I, I pointed this out, right? Spencer bailed out of the pocket early, got his eyes down, missed, uh, and, and missed Charleston Rambo for a touchdown. 
So t- that's 21 nothing. okay? So I think Florida kicked a field goal in their next drive, 21-3. Um, I believe, Brady, if whenever you go through the YouTube video, you'll hear me say this and point out the times. I believe if Oklahoma executed offensively at the best point, and I'm not just pointing out Spencer, Eric Swenson missed a wide-open block on a guy. You know, there's a couple drops. Um, you know, there's a, there's a bunch of different things that, uh, that went into this. But at the point that it was 17-13, to 13, Brady, it should have been either 38-41-42-10 if Oklahoma executes offensively. So that lingers to this, and this is the ultimate question. Oklahoma played a great game. They ran the football better than they've run it all year, and we both said they would. We pointed out that they would. Then when number 51, who is the second most important player out for Florida, um, their, their linebacker, their, he's going to be a big-time guy, um, and once he was out, it was over. I mean, they OU is going to be able to run the football all, all over them, and they did, and they did what they were supposed to do, and credit to them. Um, then that creates all the talk for the offseason, though, with the way that they played, the points they put up, the way they ran the football. They didn't do that all season long. Um, it, it gives you a little confidence boost, but again, we've, I've put this out on Twitter, and you know I go by this. LSU won a national championship with the 18th-ranked SP Plus defense. 18th. They had the number two overall SP plus offense, not a historic one, but a really, really freaking good one. And one that has aged incredible when you consider Justin Jefferson's the best receiver and our best, one of the best receivers in the NFL amongst an elite rookie class of receivers. So, I mean, guys like that, Joe Burrow, everybody knows. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that's the hope because of course, if Ramondre and Ronnie do leave as well as Adrian Neely uh, declaring for the draft early, um, the hope is that they just continue that momentum and they don't miss a beat, and the depth is certainly there, and they've got talented guys coming in on both sides of the football. So you hope, you hope, but you also hope and hope and optimistically assume that a normal offseason does this team and this program so much good. Um, guys like Seth McGowan that we've talked about a zillion times about how he needs an offseason. I mean, Spencer Rattler, of course, going into – a year where he is entrenched as a starting quarterback. I mean, even though Lincoln's going to tell you guys that Caleb and and uh, Spencer are fighting for the starting job, um, you hope that that does this program good. And then the schedule certainly sets up for a lot of success as well. Because, I mean, Tulane on the road, if they're are they still running the triple option? Are they still. It's not a triple option. It's, but it's, I mean, a variation of it, sure. But it's out of the shotgun. Okay, so, I mean, that will be kind of funky to uh, prepare for, but that is OU's first game, so they'll have plenty of time to prepare for it instead of like playing them second and then having to prepare for some random team and then having a week or so to prepare for it. So that should bode well. I like playing Tulane in New Orleans just because I've been very adamant that back in the days when it was, should Louisville and Houston join the Big 12? I was like, screw that. Ask Louisville and ask Tulane. Don't ask Houston. We have enough Texas in this conference. We don't need Houston. But to counter the SEC getting a footprint in the state of Texas with A&M, go ahead and ask Tulane and just stick a middle finger to the state of Louisiana by doing so. It's like... um, (laughs) So I like that they're going on the road because that is a definite recruiting ground that OU would very much like to be involved in, I'm sure, with some big-time talents. So 
I like that. And then, of course, having Nebraska come to, coming to Norman, I think they play Western Carolina as of right now. That could change just because so many things had to change this season. But they'll have a, a game against a bad team. Nebraska um, will be a good little measuring stick that I'm sure the program will be up for more so than the team because none of these players were alive when OU Nebraska meant squat. So, um, yeah, like going into conference, OU should be 3-0. and OU should be primed for – um, a great <laughs> most of these kids you're right I was just thinking about this real quick most of these kids aren't old enough to know what OU Nebraska is about 2001 was the last big game right uh I mean 2010 was the big 12 championship well but sure but I'm talking yeah about, number like, one versus number two or like top five matchup yeah it was 2001 when OU went to Lincoln yeah. and lost but um so the kids that are that kids that were born that year are going to be freshmen in college. Yeah, it's getting to a point now, and OU did a good job of, like, you have to do this, and I'm so thankful that OU won the title in 2000. But getting all those tweets about, man, this day 20 years ago, and I'm thinking, we haven't won one since. <laughs> I mean, the drought from 85 to 2000 was a long time, and that was 15 years. We waited 20 years, albeit this drought has been – much better than the 85 to 2000 drought. I fully am aware yes. of that, but man, it's just, it's getting to a point Keegan, where freshmen, I think next year will not have, we'll have only known Oklahoma as a school that gets there every few years and either loses or gets embarrassed. Yeah. Well, and you have to, you have to pull that apart too. I mean, the game completely changed in the middle of the two thousands back to, how Oklahoma and Texas and all these major blue blood programs were able to accumulate all that talent. It's the same thing that's going on in the SEC right now. And everybody's kind of playing catch up and we'll see how things kind of continue to, you know, progress. But the big 12 next season, Brady's going to have probably three top. Let me be careful how I say this two top 10 teams. And let's go four top 25 teams to start next season. So, which is a good thing. It's a good thing that Big 12 is continuing to get better. Um, we knew it would with all these coaches in this conference. So it's uh, things are starting to change, and I think that's going to be a good thing for Oklahoma. Like, the fact that Oklahoma is going to go up against a playoff-worthy Iowa State team next year and then also going to be able, be able to go up against a NFL-littered defensive front in Texas and Oklahoma State's defense is going to be good, it's – it's going to help next year. Here's another thing. Like the non-conference schedule sucks. Completely It'll be sucks. fun because Nebraska, but it, yeah, it's, it's not a murderer's row by any means. No, it's this, not a benchmark. Like, this season's non-conference slate, if it had happened, would have been harder than this one. And that includes a game with Missouri state, but having to play army, especially with how good they and Tennessee, and Tennessee even though Tennessee sucks, but that's still better than what this slate is. Yeah. So, you're going to get three games next season with that slate. And then you're going to get good matchups with Iowa state, Texas, Oklahoma state on the road. TCU um, will be good, but you know, they don't have the NFL defensive talent like I'm talking about or just a really good team, but it'll be a good year for Oklahoma to get tested in the season to where they know what they're kind of about heading into the postseason. I think that's been the biggest, you know, question mark like the 2018 team like we didn't know what they'd be you know how they stacked up in the playoff because the big 12 wasn't very good 2017 TCU was really good like that defense and with Kenny Hill at quarterback I know it's still a tear down from what Oklahoma had 
But so they'll get tested, and it's a good thing that they will. And um, yeah, and it, it you know Cotton Bowl. I I don't know if we wrapped it up there yet. I just want to say this about this defense, Brady. You've got three guys now in Winfrey, Benito. Um, no, sorry, you got two guys, Winfrey, Benito, that are back. They're going to be first round picks. It was apparent that those guys could reach that level in that game. Isaiah Thomas looked like Isaiah Thomas in that game. But David Aguebu, Brady, oh my God. He looks he looks every bit of where Kenneth Murray looked as a freshman. This is his first year playing inside linebacker. Yeah, I mean, the potential, like it jumps off the screen and – Usually when you're talking about just a guy with potential, it's raw and they make a lot of mistakes. And Aguebu made a lot of mistakes, but early early on, as the season wore along, he was learning from them. And he was actually able to utilize his physical assets, like his, his bigness, his strength. And he was punishing guys. He wasn't just bringing guys to the ground. He was like pushing them backwards, which is what you want to see out of a guy that big. So... Yeah, I mean, the sky's the limit for him, especially going into a spring uh, football campaign. It's it's going to be pretty cool, man. Like, the defense is going to be fun to watch. I'm excited. Defense going to be good. Well, yeah, you've got NFL. You've got the all six guys in the front will be NFL players. You've got Woody Washington, who's going to be an NFL corner. Um, DJ Graham surely looks like it. I'm not going to take that step yet. DeLaren Turner-Yell will be an NFL player. Um, Justin Harrington returns, man. Yeah, there you Lordy, lordy, lordy. Yeah, they – we're talking about – like, you could talk about Oklahoma's defense this way in years past and, like, think that they have a chance to be good. But this defense, you know it's going to be good and you know the players are going to be yep. good. Like, that's just the complete – it's a completely different talk talking yep. point. And whenever you're talking about beating Oklahoma next year, you're talking about slowing down this offense, which is what – the talking point of the entire offseason needs to be, and I've as we've pointed out already um, in this podcast, but people are going to be, can we block Oklahoma? Can they block Oklahoma? Can they score enough on Oklahoma? And that is a revelation. Yeah. Well, we're going to have plenty of time to talk about that over the next few weeks, few months, of course, so we don't want to shoot our water right now but there is some other big pressing news that does have some effect on the university of oklahoma and that is texas finally did it we have not talked about this yet keegan because it happened after the cotton bowl texas fired tom herman and they hired steve sarkeesian and i just was on with jerry ramsey and kelly Gregg um while we were in the middle of recording this so i'll edit that out but um they asked me keegan and i'll i'll get your take and your reaction to it after but um they asked me about texas hiring steve sarkeesian and my whole basis of not being that big on it is just from a general standpoint of if texas thinks they're going to out lincoln riley lincoln riley with the talent that they have they are sorely mistaken steve sarkeesian's good like he's a good offensive mind but never once during his time his short time at usc and look i'm not going to make any jokes um i'm never going to crap on people who are actively trying to fix themselves fix their lives and so um, i hope that he has continued to do that it's a struggle i know i've known a few people that were 
are recovering alcoholics and it's not something you just are magically cured of. Like you continuously work towards it every day because you're surrounded by people who are drinking. It's just what happens. So I hope he's going to be okay and be able to uh, have a career after or moving forward as a head coach. But um, never once in his short time at USC did I ever think, man, USC is about to be really good or they're about to be like as good as they were back during the Pete Carroll days. I never thought that. And that's USC. It's, that's a program that can, just like Texas, even in bad years, they are littered with guys who are first-round picks. They are littered with guys that basically every other school in their conference would love to have. And so I'm left with thinking, okay, so he went to Alabama as a good offensive mind, and he's leaving Alabama with people just saying, oh, my God, just he is an incredible offensive mind. It's like, look. He's doing that with Alabama talent. He's not going to have that at Texas. That's just simply put. But again, Texas's problem has been offense, defense, and special teams. So if they if they think, okay, Lincoln Riley has all the success, so let's go get a guy just like him, they're not going to out Lincoln Riley, Lincoln Riley. And unless Casey Thompson or Hudson Card, whoever that guy is, unless they are just the second coming of Colt McCoy, it's it's just going to be a lot of the same for me. Like they might be a little bit more having an identity than they did under Tom Herman, but it's just going to be a lot of the same for me. So I don't really care. I'm, I'm just upset. And you know, this, I'm just upset. Mike Stoops isn't coming. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. That was an interesting subplot to all this. So let's go through that. So I sent that tweet out right immediately after we found out about Steve Sarkeesian. So a week ahead of that, I was kind of given a tip that, Mike Stoops was potentially going to be a part of Steve Sarkeesian's coaching staff as his defensive coordinator whenever um, they were going to fire Tom Herman. So, yeah, this thing was in the works for about a week, which is crazy. But, uh, but okay, so I think you'll, you'll understand what I'm saying here. Sarkeesian is better. <sighs> Woo. Um, Sarkeesian... He's smart in that he knows that there's a bunch of smart people in football. And I'm not saying, like, he just completely took Lincoln's offense and ran it at Alabama. That's not true. Everybody copies everybody. Lincoln copied his crap from somebody else, and he's perfected it. Well, I I mean, he has, but he... He definitely advances. Yeah, well, things. he's like the leak. The leak thing. He's elite. Like, like Lincoln Riley is elite. So, but yeah, your your yeah. thought is well taken. Yeah. So in that in that sense, that he should be able to figure out whatever quarterback he has, whatever his players are, that he should have success offensively. The problem that he's going to have is that he has a two year rebuild with that offensive line room. They may have four to five guys right now that can play, and I'll even agree to that. But outside of that, they just don't. And they just haven't recruited well over a decade of time at that position. And it's honestly what's haunted yep. them. I mean, we're talking about a, a different last four years for Texas if they just have a better offensive line. And so with Sarkeesian, it's all about this offensive line coach. It, it is young guy from Bama that they're going to get, I guess, is really, really like good. Kyle Flood, was um, that his name? Kyle Flood, yeah. yeah, I think's his name. And – so we'll see what kind of happens there. But is this a thing where Texas in the next two years is going to end up just turning the page and being really good? No. Can Texas win nine games with Steve Sarkeesian as a head coach? Yeah, yes. because they like, should have won nine games or more with Tom Herman. Tom Herman. That's what I'm – yeah, exactly. So, like, that 
like I don't want people to be surprised like if Texas comes out and wins eight, nine games this year. Would it surprise me if they go on the road and lost to Arkansas? Yes. Would it surprise me if they went on, you know, go on the road and lose to TCU? Yes. I mean, that's just, just stuff that Texas has done, you know, in act, and, and they've acted on that the last three to five years. So I'm I'm excited to see that. Like, you know me at this point. Like, I'm just taking a seat back, sit back and kind of looking at this from a macro view. I think it's a good hire for Texas from an offensive mindset perspective from an innovation perspective, from a perspective of that they have the defensive line talent for the next couple of years to be really, really good. Um, that, And then you add in, Brady, the most important part of this hire, there's a lot of Alabama blood on this coaching staff for recruiting. And that's going to push some people. That They're going to push people. And I'm not, I know Texas has recruited as the same right as Oklahoma over the last five years. But it is a different animal between top five classes and top ten classes. Yep. And Oklahoma would have a top five class this year if they would have done what they sh- thought they were going to do. But, um, like, there's just – so it's going to create a very competitive environment. Um, Texas is not a top two or three team in the Big 12 preseason next year based off what they have right now. But in a couple years, can Texas be a 10-11 win team and help – Oklahoma out really in this conference is being a brand. Absolutely. And I, and it, it doesn't matter whether Texas is good or not. It doesn't matter. Like we're talking about a preseason top five matchup between Oklahoma and Iowa state next year, maybe they're not preseason, but a maybe top five matchup between Oklahoma and Iowa state, Texas doesn't have to be good, but when Texas is good and Oklahoma is beating a good Texas, it helps Oklahoma. Out yeah. Tremendously. Now maybe, with Iowa State winning the Fiesta Bowl and having this entire season where people and even the committee, the committee loved Iowa State. So if they're able to seriously gain off that momentum and then that top five matchup happens in Norman and OU wins, I think that people will see that as that's a quality win. That is a quality win over a top 10, top five team. Um, they're not going to see it as, oh, Iowa State's the second best team. I've never heard of them. So Oklahoma, you still have yeah. a thin margin for error. Yeah, and TCU is going to be good next year. Now they're going to need. Okay, before Texas and TCU have to do something. You ready? You'll love this. They have to do something next season before we start talking about them. Okay, it's Oklahoma, Iowa State, and then TCU and Texas. They both have to accomplish one thing: go undefeated in non-conference. TCU has to play SMU. They got to beat SMU. I mean, they've lost to SMU in the past. SMU's still going to be good. They've got a good coaching staff. They've got a good yeah. quarterback and more. And I want to see a solid so. victory. I don't want to see none of this 28 to 24. I, I want to oh, see sure. like 35, 20, like something like substantial victory. Th- 14 points. Yeah. And then Texas, they better beat Louisiana and Arkansas. And they're on the road. They're not Arkansas. beating Arkansas. I'll say that right now. They're not beating Arkansas. They do not seem like a team to me that can go on the road. Um, and, again, God willing, we have a normal season. That will be a raucous environment. This is two former Southwest uh, Conference opponents, two Southwest Conference rivals. I'm sorry. Like, they are not heading into that uh, with a win. Yeah, so Texas isn't going to win that game. Maybe I'm wrong. I'm probably wrong, but who knows. I just don't have that much faith in them because oh, I'm a Sooner fan. Anyway, Keen, we've talked enough. So let's just go ahead and wrap this one up. Uh, We will be doing a Vanessa House podcast uh, on Thursday. 
uh, we, where we will be giving out our season report cards for each position, probably even go into each player as, as time permits. But then as soon as that podcast is done, the 2020 season is officially wrapped. And then we'll start back on our new schedule with one free pod a week, which will be at Vanessa House, and then a Patreon podcast uh, per week, as well as our rewatches of each OU game from the 2020 football season. So we look forward to that. And once again, thank you to everybody who listened. Thank you to everybody who continues to subscribe. Once again, please leave a five-star review for us. We will greatly appreciate it. But in Until that time, everybody, thank you all so much for listening to the show, and we'll talk to you later.